If you have a Bible, turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 12 through 15, but I'm going to read um, verse 2 as well. But James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. And in your bulletin, uh, the last few weeks, we've been putting this little paper in there. It's called Sermon Extras. Uh, there's a number of scriptures in there that relate to the topic of the, the day. And also, this week, I put uh, some books at the bottom. We're talking about temptation. And there's some classic books in there, one by John Owen and one by Thomas Brooks. And you can get those on audio. I know many would read them. But, but one of the, some, for some of you, the best thing you could do to finish out this year is to get one of those books, listen to it, and give it a serious reading as we talk about sin and temptation this morning. James chapter 1, verse 2, and then verses 12 through 15 says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Let's pray. My Father, Lord, we're thanks for the chance to gather together this morning and to worship you. Well, thanks for your grace to us. Thanks for your amazing love for us. Well, thanks for your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come and encourage us with your word. You'd just teach us, give us hope and the help that we need, and I pray you would strengthen us to be able to fight against and stand against temptation. Well, I pray for those who are just struggling this morning physically, emotionally, and spiritually, that you would just strengthen them, help them know that you are with them, that you are not against them, give them unbelievable strength and encouragement this morning. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I, I never saw the clouds that dark before. It was a Tuesday, August 28, 1990, which was a Tuesday again this week. I was a junior in high school on the second part of two-a-day soccer practices in Salmonac, laying on the field stretching, and I look up, and the clouds east are just unbelievably dark. I've never seen clouds that dark before, so much so that they had us leave the practice, go into the building, and a few minutes later, we heard that a massive EF5 tornado hit Plainfield in the Joliet area, most unexpectedly, most devastating tornado to hit the Chicagoland area in history. 29 people were killed. Plainfield High School, where my dad was working at the time, was hit. Thousands of homes were destroyed, including churches. And it was a wake-up call to the National Weather Center. 
where they got rid of their old equipment, got new Doppler radar, and that's when things started to change. The, the, the point of a tornado is to tear things apart. That's what, that's what a tornado does. It comes in and it absolutely rips things apart. And the point of temptation and Satan's desire in temptation is to tear you away from God. God's desire in testing us is to take us closer to him, but Satan's desire in temptation is to tear you away like a tornado, devastate your life, rip you apart from God. We've been talking about sin, Satan, and this morning we're talking about temptation and just some general realities of temptation. First of all, we are all tempted. Just look around at everybody. Look at somebody. Just turn around and look at somebody. Just look at them. Just take a moment and look at them. What you just looked at was a target of temptation. Everybody in this room is a target of It's important to know that because 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There is no temptation taking you that is not common to humanity, to everybody, to men and to women. Everybody in this room is tempted, which means you're not unusual if you struggle with temptation. You're not alone in that. It's very easy with temptation because it's so deceptive to get you to think you're the only one that struggles with this. You're the only one that deals with you. You can't tell anybody how you feel. You can't tell anybody what, he, how you're, what you're thinking about, what you're dealing with. But we're all tempted. We're all targets of temptation. There's no temptation that's taking you. That's not common to man. And young people, that's especially helpful for you to know. As you start to struggle and you start to think about life and you have these things come into your head and these wonders and questions and things that shock you yourself sometimes, the Bible says that you're not alone, that everybody deals with temptations. We're all tempted. We're also all tempted in a multiple and various ways. I mean, there's all kinds of temptations. Anything can be a temptation. Everything can be a temptation. There's always a, it's various in multiple ways. Not everybody's tempted with the same things. We're all tempted in various ways. There's temptations that come in different seasons of life, too. The temptations that happen when you don't have, when you're not married are different than when you are married. When you have little kids, it can be different than when you have teenagers or adult children. But they all come, and if we aren't careful, we can get caught up in the fog of life and forget that every situation situation, church life, our family life, our work life, our personal life, every aspect of our lives are areas where temptation can come. And Satan's desire with that temptation is to tear you, literally shred you spiritually and pull you away from fellowship with God. We're all, we're all tempted in multiple various ways. We're all tempted, though, by three sources, the Bible says. We're all tempted by the world, I mean, this world system that's against God that says that we can go live life on our own way. The Bible says we're tempted by the world system. We're tempted by ourselves. Right here in James, as our own fleshly, our desires tempt us to pull us away. And the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil, the, the, the evil one, he's, he, he wants to tempt us. And these, all these things that we struggle with. Someone said temptation is the fire that brings up the scum of our hearts. Because in us, and it says in James, it's our evil desires that pull us. So all of us, all of us targets for temptation have this scum in our hearts that Satan wants to grab and pull up and use against us to tear us away from God. Just one other general point. All temptations, though, do not have to result 
in sin. Temptation in itself is not sin. Eve was tempted, but she didn't sin until she sinned. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted yet without sin. So temptation in itself isn't sin, but we have to be very careful. Because 1 Corinthians 10 says, Therefore let anyone who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Satan's desire is to come into your life like an unannounced tornado, tempt you, and tear you apart spiritually, tear you away from God in your walk with God. He can't tear you away from your salvation, but he can tear you away from your fellowship with God and leave you utterly devastated. So we need to be very careful. So what is temptation? What's the story of temptation? And how do we stand against temptation? In the book of James, these people are in the midst of a temptation. They are of the 12 tribes of dispersion. They've been scattered away. They're, they're in great suffering. Temptation often comes when you are in great suffering or when you are in great success and you think everything's good or you can either, so you deny God or you think God's denied you. And these people are in great struggles and they have been torn apart and he's saying, listen, hey, count it all joy when you're tested, when you're going through difficulties. But then he reminds them, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life and then think really carefully about who you blame for temptation, he's telling them. And he shares that with them. What is temptation? The word for temptation in the Bible is in the New Testament. It's used 26, 21 times in the New Testament. And it is all temptation, test, or trial. It's all pretty much the same word, different variations of the same Greek word when it was written in Scripture. And so Paul... T- James uses them this way. In the first part, he says, these trials that you're going through. And temptation has the idea of seduction to evil and to pull you away. And the context of the Bible is how you find out what it means. Is it a test or is it a seduction to evil where Satan, our own desires, are trying to pull us away from God? A test or a trial in your life can be a temptation. You can go through a hard season. You can lose your job. You can lose someone you love, have a relationship fall apart, and that can be a trial. But it doesn't have to be a temptation, but that trial can become a temptation, and a temptation can be a trial and a test. All through Scripture, the Bible shows us that God does not tempt anyone. He doesn't tempt anyone, James 1 says, with a seduction to evil. He doesn't do it. But he tests everyone. But Satan wants to use those tests to be temptations. He wants to use those as seductions for you to pull you and tear you away from God. When you think of temptation, I just want you to think of the devastation of a tornado in your mind every single time. That's what Satan wants to do with you. He wants to blow your life apart in these things. But God doesn't want that from you. He doesn't want to seduce you into evil, but God does test us. He allows Satan to test us. J.I. Packer said this about, about temptation. He says, temptations are Satan's work. Temptation is the evil intent to seduce you away from God. Temptations are Satan's work, but Satan is God's tool as well as his foe. And it is ultimately God who leads his servants into temptation 
by permitting Satan to try to seduce them for a beneficent purposes of his own. And God's beneficent purpose is to strengthen you. It's like exercising. God tests us to reveal to us where our faith is. You think you're strong? You think you can overcome this and he'll allow Satan to test us, to tempt us, not to seduce us into sin, but to strengthen us and to expose where we need to be more dependent on God and to strengthen us, just like exercise. It's like a teacher giving a test. They don't do it to hurt the kids. They do it to, to reveal to them, here's where you're at, or here's how you're doing, or here's where you've come from. God desires and tests us to strengthen us. Satan's desire, though, is always to tear you apart from God. He, he comes, that's his ultimate, he wants to destroy your life. And he, he wants to come and separate you and your fellowship from God. In Genesis 50, we see Joseph in the story of Joseph, this is what happened. God allowed his brothers to allow evil and abuse to come into Joseph's life. And at the end, Joseph recognized it for what it was. He says, he didn't say well, this was God had nothing to do with this. What Joseph said was, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. And God wasn't guilty of evil. Because God used it as a way to help Joseph become who God wanted Joseph to be. And he strengthened Joseph through the trial. Even though it was a very hard trial, and Satan's trial and his brother's trials was to rip him apart and and shred him as a test or a trial. That temptation is used by Satan to seduce us from God. And God tests us to strengthen us. But what's the story of temptation. I mean, you ever meet somebody and you just see their life or you see how they dress and you think, well, that's strange. Um, I wonder what the story on those person is. You know, I wonder, what, what's, what's, the, what's the story? I like to hear the story behind that. I mean, I think as Christians, that's how we look at temptation. We think, why would God allow this? Well, why doesn't he intervene? I mean, if he loves us so much, why, is he, why does he do this? Or what, what's the story behind this weird thing that I struggle with? And I'm constantly getting beat up. Why am I, why, why, what's the story behind temptation? Because that's what the Bible des- des- describes. The Bible doesn't give us all these different um, theologies of temptation. What the Bible gives us is stories of temptation. Story after story after story of people who are in the midst of temptation. And the two biggest ones are Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 and Jesus himself in the Gospels. The two major stories of temptation, where Satan came. We don't know when, where, or how, or why Satan ended up evil. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but just tells us that he did, and that he came and tried to tempt Adam and Eve, and they fell, and all of humanity has fallen with them, which is why for some of you, you struggle with temptation. You know where it comes from, and you may feel bad about it, but that's about it. You try to fix things up, but you don't really struggle with sin because you're still where Adam and Eve were in their sin in Genesis 3 where they just separated from God. They haven't recognized their need to come and turn to God. Temptation struggles are for Christians who say, I don't want to live this way. This isn't the way I'm supposed to live. How do I fight against this? How do I change? How does God do this in my life? And then Jesus came, and he was 
taken into the wilderness, it says in Matthew chapter 4, and Satan came and tempted him. And Jesus overcame the temptation. But why does God lead us, or does God lead us into temptation? James 1.13 clearly says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he doesn't tempt, and he tempts no one. So does God lead us into temptation? No. But the question is, if you've read your Bible, then why does the Lord's Prayer say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? If God doesn't lead us into temptation, then why are we praying in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? What's the story of temptation? What's up with that? And I believe, I agree with John said, there's a lot lot of... questions about how what that actually means in the Lord's prayer but I think for us as you look at all of scripture John Stott was a great theologian he said this he says we we should pray this way we need to pray God don't lead us into temptation Lord lead me not into temptation but deliver me from evil so he says so that we do not allow us to be led into temptation that it overwhelms us but rescues us from the evil one, which is what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is all about. It says, there's no temptation taking you. It's not common to human beings. But with the temptation, God will always make a way of escape. So when you pray the Lord's Prayer, God, don't lead me in temptation. God, you're praying, God, don't, don't let me get so overwhelmed or caught up in sin or so much in the fog of life that I don't see the way of escape. Let me find the way of escape. Show me the way of escape. Rescue me from this temptation. So we need to pray that. God's not leading us into temptation. We're we're praying, God, don't let me get overwhelmed and stuck into sin. But why does God give Satan opportunity for temptation? I mean, what's up with that? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was just a young theologian who was killed during World War II, right before World War II happened, he was a pastor, theologian. He did a whole series on temptation. And he answered that question, which is why, well, if God loves us, why does he let Satan hurt us? Or why doesn't God just take Satan out, which is every kid's question. I mean, if if God's God, why why doesn't he just wipe Satan out? And so he addressed that, and he he said three things in this discussion I thought were really good. He says, why does God give Satan opportunity for temptation? One is, I just mentioned, because he's He's testing us to show us and to give us our strength. He's not meaning it to hurt us. But Bonhoeffer said he does it in order to overcome Satan. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Satan is all about lying and evil and sin. So the result of Satan being allowed to tempt everyone and be evil is only revealing and leading to more and more consequences that Satan ultimately is going to deal with, which is death. Satan is destroying himself. He's tearing himself further and further apart from God in his temptation, and God is allowing that to do. He's pulling himself away from God. The wages of sin is death. It's evil to tempt someone. And Satan is revealing who he is by his temptation. Another reason God allows Satan the opportunity to tempt us is God gives opportunity to Satan in order to bring believers to salvation. He's doing it to strengthen you. He's doing it to help you grow in your Christian life. And overcome sin, because only by knowledge of our sin are we going to be able to grow. And when, when, when a temptation comes, 
that you think you, you, I don't get tempted that way. I mean, I've heard people say this to me. That's not really an issue of mine. Then you talk to them a, a couple years later, a few months later, and you find out that's a big issue. You just didn't know it was an issue. They got tempted by it, and they're like, oh, wow. God brings these things in to help purify us, to make us more like Jesus Christ. And he also does it. We are called to share in Christ's suffering. John Owen said, Temptation is like a knife. It may be useful to cut the meat or cut the throat of a man. It may be a man's poison, his exercise, or destruction. Temptation is like a knife. You need it when it's good to cut your meat so you can eat and survive and grow and have strength. But if it's if you fall into temptation and let sin, let Satan tear you away, it, it, its desire is to kill you. So the good question is, if God doesn't lead us into temptation, if that's the story of temptation, it's how do we stand against temptation? Because all of us are tempted. And Matthew 26, 41 says this in the Gospels. Jesus said it in every one of the Gospels to the disciples. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus took temptation unbelievably serious. He knew that the desire of Satan was to shred people and tear them away from him. Jesus prayed for Peter and said, Peter, Satan's going to come, he's going to tempt you, and his desire is to shake you and just destroy you. But Jesus said, but I prayed for you. And Satan tempted Peter. Peter was torn away from God for a while, but it was the prayer of Jesus and Peter's repentance that drew him back. And Peter was eventually strengthened by his temptation. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians eleven, fourteen, 14, which is very important for us when we're dealing with temptation. If we're not careful, we're... we're we, we, we get caught in the fog of life, where we are living life, we're going through circumstances, and Satan appears as this angel of light, and things are good. This is, go this way, do this. This is, this is a good thing. And the reality is, if we aren't watching and praying, Satan may be appearing to us in angels, as an angel of light, that this is a good thing for your life, and that thing that may appear good may be the greatest temptation you are just getting wiped out from. And Satan's using to tear you away from God, so we have to be prepared to stand against temptation. And Job 121 says, we endure trials by saying yes to God, your will, your way. The battle for temptation is in your mind. The, the first place Satan's coming to destroy you in your temptation is in your mind. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, but I am afraid, Paul said this, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The place where you've got to be watching and praying before, unless you enter in temptation, where it all begins for all of us is in our minds. And, and what we let begin into our minds and how we start thinking about things and how we start allowing those things to continue, that's where Satan, that's where temptation begins. It's in your brain. It starts in your thoughts. That's where Satan just starts to just tear at you and pull you away from God. So how do we stand against temptation? 
When it comes to trials that God's calling us to, these tests that he's calling us to, we say, yes, your will, your way, God. That's, that's what we want. But when it comes to enduring temptation, we say, to, or seduction to evil, we say, no. Stop, Satan. Go away. Get behind me, Satan, is what Jesus said. Matthew 4 and James chapter 4. But how do you do that? So I'm going to give you four things, four things that hopefully will help us as we stand against temptation. And, and all four of them, we don't do these in this, you do this step, this step, this step, and this step. We just, they're all continual. This is the continual way I think we can help fight against temptation, how we stand against temptation. So when it's a trial or a test from God to, to strengthen us, we can say, yeah, I don't like this, God. I don't like losing my job. I don't like that my friend died. I don't like that my kids are going through this situation. I don't like it, but I'm going to say yes to your will, your way. But when temptation comes, where it's a seduction to evil, we will say, no, I know what you're doing, Satan. I know what you're doing, flesh. I know what you're doing, world. I don't want it. I'm not going to go that way. And the way we fight against temptation is, first of all, we have to freely admit our frailty. This is what James is talking to these people, and, and he says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. This is a struggle to get through. He, he's, he's talking to these people who are going through a very difficult time, who he knows that the possibility of this trial from God, this testing from God, can turn into temptation, and instead of strengthening them, can rip them apart from God, because they are humans and they are frail, and he, we have to admit our frailty. You need to, we have to freely admit your, your frailty. You need to recognize that in you, in all of us, we are inclined to sin because of there is remaining indwelling sin in us. There, there is, the Bible says, this besetting sin. We have to constantly remember that we have not arrived yet. We, we have to freely admit this, that we, we, we struggle with sin. This is, a, this is a struggle in our life. We have to recognize that we're responsible for our sin. You are responsible for your sin. When you're 35 years old, 45 years old, 55 years old, 65 years old, it's not your parents' fault that you're sinning right now. You're responsible for your sin. It's not your boss's fault that you are sinning right now. It's not your wife's fault. It's not your husband's fault. It's not your kid's fault. We have to recognize that we are frail and it is, we are responsible for our own sin. It's out of the heart of man. When desire has conceived, it says, let no one say when he's tempted, it's, from someone, it's not from somebody else. It's out of your own heart's desire while you sin. Your boss may be a jerk. But it's your desire to respond evilly back to him. We are frail. We have to recognize this. We have to recognize that you're not strong enough to overcome it on your own. Sin's very deceptive. What Satan wants for you to do, be tempted in sin. And he wants you to say, hey, first of all, nobody else struggles with this but you. And if you told anybody at church that you struggle with this, they would just be horrified because nobody has ever thought that type of an evil thought before. It's not true. I've said this, I don't know how many times, but it happened... Uh, it, it's amazing how things can come into your mind. Even right now when you're sitting here, some of the most perverse thoughts in your world can happen when you're sitting in church at times. 
I was playing basketball in the second half in high school where this spun me, I've said this before, for, for months, getting ready for the tip-off. We were up by about six points. It was a tournament, going great. I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't thinking about anything. And while I'm getting this tip-off, the thought comes into my head, God's not real. Shook me to the core for months. Where did that come from? I have no idea. But it shook me. We are, have to be free to admit that we are frail. And then we have to flee. The only definition of temptation all through Scripture, Bible says, is you need to recognize how temptation works and that Satan's desire is to tear you from God. He wants to destroy your life. So over and over, the Bible says, flee, flee. Literally get out of the way. Flee. Turn off the computer. Leave the person you're standing next to that's tempting you, leave, flee, actually flee. That's what Joseph did. He literally fled. He physically removed himself from temptation. Don't buy and bring things into your house that you struggle with. Flee. And then I would say strike it with the sword. Ephesians chapter 6 says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The one active, offensive weapon that we have, the Bible says, against sin is the word of God. So memorize key scriptures. Memorize key scriptures. If you're struggling with some area of temptation, find a scripture that relates to that and memorize it. You say, I don't memorize things very well. You do. You really do. (laughs) We all do. we, we, We memorize all kinds of things all the time. And so if you are serious about fighting temptation, then find some scriptures and memorize it. When I was in high college, lust was a huge struggle. I talked to my pastor. Thought, I thought he would kick me out of the church. He, he, he didn't do that. He, he said, Paul, I want you to memorize Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to come back. I'm going to talk to you about, about it later. So I memorized Romans chapter 6. And it helped fight against temptation. It's the sword of the Spirit. Strike it with the sword of God's Word. And then fourthly, set your eyes on Jesus. I mean, all these things are happening at once when we deal with temptation. Satan wants to tear us away from God, but we've got to freely admit that I I can't handle this on my own. I've got to get some help. I'm going to put myself away from the situation where this is taking place, and I'm going to memorize Scripture, then I'm going to look to see Jesus, who is the author of our faith, who was tempted just like I was, Hebrews Hebrews 2 says. At every point, Jesus was tempted. He knows exactly what we're going through, so we have to set our eyes and look to Jesus. I mean, look at how much Jesus loves us. We're about ready to take communion. Think about how much he loves you, what it costs for him to bring you back to God, how much he sacrificed. Think of the cross. Think of Jesus physically suffering and dying, and he did it for you. And so when Satan comes and says, hey, I got something better from you, you can set your eyes on Jesus and say, no, you don't. It's a lie. Jesus loves me. He, he died on the cross for me. He, he's got something better for me. Satan, you want to tear me away from God? And like, you want to blow my life away like a tornado? But Jesus had his life blown away from me. So don't, I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to say yes to temptation. We can say no to temptation and we can run to him 
Set your eyes on Jesus. In May of 2013, there was a F5 tornado that hit Moore, Oklahoma. Massive tornado that came through. But because of the tornado that happened 28 years ago in Plainfield, and because of all the warnings and the corrections that the National Weather Service learned from those unexpected tornadoes, the town had this great plan in place. So in the middle of the day, beautiful day, all of a sudden this F5 tornado pops up. A bunch of people were in the bank. They heard the sirens. They had the protocol. They knew where to go. And 22 people fled into the bank vault and survived the tornado. They knew what to do. They knew what was going to happen if they didn't. And instead of getting, staying out and looking at the nice pretty clouds, they ran into the vault and they were saved. Listen, that's what Jesus is for us. Jesus is our bank vault when it comes to temptation. He's the one we run to. Jesus is our rock when it comes to temptation. Jesus is our refuge and Jesus is our deliverer. Satan's desire is to, in temptation, is to tear you from God. He wants to tear you apart from your fellowship with God. Don't let him do it. We have a means to fight against it. Pursue God in Christ. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Let's pray.